can be seated. Aren't you grateful for the name of Jesus? Wow. And, and yet I, I'm reminded that we live in a world that wants you to not say the name of Jesus. And so uh, we need to keep saying the name of Jesus, speaking the name of Jesus uh, in all the right ways, in all the right times. Uh, we are in a study of the Sermon on the Mount, and we're uh, in the middle section of that study that I've called Word On. There are 12 different topics that Jesus thought were important, and so we need to understand that they're important and try to dig in a little bit on them. Uh, And it occurred to me, I was studying them uh, this week, of course, and uh, that the first six are are largely relational. Uh, Anger, lust, divorce, oaths, retaliation, and enemies all deal in relationship issues and also with godship issues and not, not becoming idolatrous. And we're in this middle section of giving prayer and fasting, and they're really related to one another uh, very much, uh, because the three focus on religious hypocrisy. Uh, and each one of them, uh, Jesus talks about this word. It's the first time he brings up hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is not the focus of Jesus' teaching. He didn't come to teach about hypocrisy. But it's a part of what he was very concerned about as he looked at the religious landscape of Judaism in the first century and tried to to bring the kingdom culture. Um, We looked at it in in the beginning of chapter 6, verse 1. Beware of practicing your righteousness, those good things that you do, they're good things, before other people in order to be seen by them. We've lost it. When that occurs, for then you will have no reward from your father who is in heaven. You'll have a reward, but the reward is that everybody was looking at you and, and, and admiring you and thinking how wonderful you are. But that's the end of it. And these three uh, common religious practices were really prone to mask wearing. That's what hypocrisy is. It's, it's wearing a religious mask. And, and it occurred to me as I was studying this that kingdom culture does not share itself with the, the kingdom of self. Kingdom culture is different. And, when, and our world that surrounds us is full of the kingdom of self. The look at me, take some selfies, uh, broadcast myself, get myself out there, make my mark, all of those things. And if you're mainly uh, about uh, yourself and only pretending to honor the king, then that's the culture of self. So he's going to pick up, we've just been talking about giving, about praying and giving, and now he's going to talk about fasting. And so let's look at verse 16, chapter 6, verse 16, and give our whole attention to hear what Jesus is saying. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Now let's stand and let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for your word. 
I thank you so much for word made flesh to dwell among us. I thank you for word breathed upon the pages of scripture that speaks to us by the illumination of your spirit. God, speak to us, each one of us. We we each have a, a need, a point that you would address. We want to hear in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. When I was growing up, uh, I didn't know anything about this thing, fasting. (laughs) Nothing. In fact, if you said the word fast, I would think about the track or the field or the car that I wanted to drive. (laughs) Come on. Yeah, okay, amen. Some of you know. By the way, that's a Plymouth Duster 71. That was my car that I had, and it was pretty fast. That's a 340, mine was a 318, but I could pass pretty well on a two-lane road, no difficulty. Um, I won't tell you how many speeding tickets I got during those days. Um, But we didn't think about this idea of not eating. Uh, I grew up in a family with four teenage boys. That meant that eating was a competitive sport, a regular competitive thing. And uh, we didn't consider not eating until there was no more food. Uh, And we ate everything that was not nailed down. I I was talking to my brother recently, and I said, do you ever remember not being hungry when we were in our teen years? And he said, yeah, on Thanksgiving Day. That's the only time. So hunger for teenage boys, if you don't know this, is a degree. It's either, you know, it's not are you hungry, it's how hungry are you. Uh, and I remember when we had two teenage boys and a teenage girl in our home, it was hard to keep enough food around. Do you remember this? Any of you? And, and I remember I just bought a gallon of milk a day. It was a gallon of milk a day. You got, it wasn't, should I bring home milk? No, you got a gallon of milk. And later after they were all off and gone, I learned there was, there was this date on the side. I finally figured out what that was about, you know, that if it's not all gone by that time, you needed to get rid of it. So to fast, what we are talking about is to abstain from food for a period of time and and for some purpose. Now, there's a lot of purposes for fasting. Uh, There's an athletic fast, and I I did begin to learn about that. Uh, The wrestlers would fast to get down into a weight class that they wanted to compete in because they could do better in that weight class. There's a medical fast. I began to learn about that when they said, now you're going to need to have some blood tests and you'll need to be fasting. What's that? Don't eat anything. Really? (laughs) How am I supposed to do that? And to this day, I mean, when, they, when I go for blood tests, I am the first one there and I'm the first one off to get something to eat. <laughs> it's just the way I am. There's a, a cosmetic fast. Sometimes people will drop a lot of weight by fasting. Uh, there's an intermittent fasting that's taught, it's popular today because it's uh, a way to reset metabolism and, and lose weight and, and gain some health benefits. You may have seen this. Uh, It's very popular at different times of the year. Alcohol fasts that have a a clever name. Uh, Like in January, start off the year with dry January. Have you heard of this? I know you you don't need this, right? But have you heard of this? And and so, uh, and if you don't make it in January, you go for Feb fast is the name for the February one. And if that doesn't work so well, you know, circle back uh, for dry July is another one that will go around in sober September and go go sober October is another one. And and these are ways to, I think, 
that are helpful uh, to set a goal to find some freedom. Can I not drink for a month? And it's a really good question in kind of evaluating life and, and, and uh, the important things in life. And gain clarity of mind and some health benefits. It's not a bad idea. All of this is different from what we're talking about, which I'm just going to call biblical fasting, which is a, a different thing. The Greek word that, you want a little bit of Greek? Greek, 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 okay. The Greek word is nestuo. Now, did Jesus use Greek words? You know, some people say, well, Jesus probably didn't know Greek. He probably spoke in Aramaic. Oh, come on. Jesus knows everything. And I think he was perfectly capable of using Greek and Greek words. And this is the Greek word that Matthew, praise God, recorded and wrote down. And it means to abstain from food religiously. It, it is a religious act. Uh, it's a fast that has some faith purpose or spiritual benefit. That's what the word means. It's not, I'm going to do without food so I can lose some weight or something like that. The Hebrew word that corresponds actually means to afflict yourself or deny yourself. So it's an act of self-denial that's purposeful. And fasting, biblically, was commanded only on the Day of Atonement from sundown to, uh, sun, uh, down to sundown. That's the way that they measured days. And so uh, it was in, in the Bible that way. Other fasts were added in, uh, in Jewish history during the exile. There were fasts that, um, that were fasts of remembrance in Zechariah. And uh, fasting became really a way of showing self-humiliation before God for connection and confession. We find it in a number of places. The Bible gives us some examples of people who abstained from food to seek God. If you want to say, what is this about? It's abstaining from food. I'll talk about some other things, but abstaining from food to seek God is the most simple understanding of it. Jesus fasted before he began his public ministry. And if we just were to stop there and say, why should we consider fasting? Jesus did it. Anything Jesus did, I think maybe I should consider doing. And so that's a really important one. It's recorded in, in uh, both Matthew and Luke. Um, Nehemiah fasted uh, to help him confess his sins and to seek favor in rebuilding the walls. You remember that story of rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem, protecting uh, the city as they came back uh, to, to restore the city. David fasted to ask God to intervene when there was injustice and also to seek the miraculous healing of his child. Mordecai in the book of Esther uh, and the Jews uh, fasted upon hearing of Haman's wicked plot for their extermination. When there is extermination in the world, one should consider fasting. And so, I, you know, this is a time in which we know that in at least two parts of the world that we're aware of. The early church fasted uh, while worshiping and committing their ministry to God. They fasted before they chose their appointed leaders. They, they didn't vote on them, but they went to prayer. They fasted. Who's the right person? We have great people. Who, who should be uh, the, the ones that will, will step in and uh, be the servants, the deacons, the first deacons and, and such? Well, you may know it, um, but we are in a traditional season of religious fasting right now called Lent. Were any of you aware of that? Okay, so some of you pra have practiced that. 
or that's been a part of your traditions uh, growing up. Lent, if you did not know, Lent is the 40 days before Easter, and it starts on a, a day called Ash Wednesday. That was about 10 days ago. And so we're in a season. It's a season of reflection and preparation. As we look toward Easter, how are we preparing for Easter? Now, some of you grew up in traditions that you don't really know what that word is. You know, you think, I mean, I remember hearing that word and thinking, is that about my belly button and something like that? Belly button lint or what, what is that? Um, no, I, I knew about it. The tradition, the church that I grew up in, you know, we began hearing about Lent. But it's a season of prayer, fasting, and sacrifice. And it's related to the 40 days of fasting by Christ. And we often will use this phrase uh, about giving up something for Lent. Have any of y'all ever heard that? Okay, I'm hearing some some mumbling, but do you know what I'm talking about? Okay, so, uh, and it might be giving up sweets or giving up candy or giving up diet drinks and things like that. And this can be very powerful. I'll share with you, you know, that I gave up something for Lent. I gave up Brussels sprouts for Lent. It's been tough. Ten days. No Brussels sprouts. I'm laughing too. Um, It's not because I hate Brussels sprouts. It is the most disliked vegetable by by, uh, all kinds of uh, standards that that are recorded. But, um, and of course, the idea is that you're supposed to give up something that you at least like, that would be hard to give up, give up Diet Coke, give up Diet Pepsi, something like that. Um, And also, we need to realize that telling people what you're giving up sort of defeats what Jesus is talking about in this passage of Scripture. And it's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing to say, you know what, this is a season that I want to focus and I'm going to... I'm going to not do something. I'm going to give up. I'm going to not do something during this season. I'll talk a little bit more about that. You, you might not know it, but eating fish on Fridays is another tradition that is a form of fasting. It remembers the sacrifice of Christ on, on Friday, on Good Friday. It's a type of fast. And uh, did, any of you, did any of you grow up with this? Okay. So you know what I'm talking about. And, you know, the difficult thing with this for us is... We really like fish. <laughs> and so it's not a big deal. In fact, when we're in Colorado, there's this one Irish restaurant, McGinty's, and we love to go there on Fridays because they make a tradition of serving wonderful fish on Fridays. And so we go there on Fridays while we're out there and make it a point of it. But like so many things in the time of Jesus, religious fasting had become a show. It was, it was drama. It was a, a mask-wearing process. The Pharisees fasted twice a week and made sure everyone knew that that's what they were, and how good they were at fasting and how great they were for fasting. And others, devout people fasted as a part of their public prayer life and things like that. We talked some about that. And apparently, I mean, we get it pretty clearly in this scripture, they had adopted an an air that was somber. They wanted to be somber and downcast and appear downcast and somber and pious or spiritual. And so some would disfigure themselves. Now, that doesn't mean like cut themselves or anything like that. But they would disfigure themselves by not washing and by sprinkling ashes on one's head to signify contrition. Put ashes on their face, ashes on their head. 
And, and what does that mean? They were actually omitting normal hygiene, such as oil and perfume. So let me explain a little bit about this. In the time of Jesus, they didn't go hop in the shower. They didn't go to the bath. Uh, they, that's not what they did. Uh, baths were mostly ritual. So periodically, you would, do a, you would go for ritual bath, for cleansing, ritual cleansing, and that's what that was. Now, you might get in the water. It occurred to me studying this that the cleanest people in the time of Jesus were the fishermen. Because they got in the water. They had to get in the water. They washed the nets. Might be why he was so attracted to ministry with them. But, but normally, people may wash their face. And then they would put on oil to keep their skin from, being, from drying out. And they would put on a lotion or perfume so they would not have bad body odors. That was normal uh, hygiene. And, and, and yet, Jesus is saying that they were omitting this to sort of draw attention to their fast. So just imagine this. Somebody has ashes on their face and they don't smell so good. <laughs> and they show up at Bible study and you say, hmm. Somebody's got a good fast going on around here. I can just, oh, it's you. I can see the ashes on your face. This is the sort of thing that was going on. You you knew who was fasting in the synagogue or whatever. And Jesus, Jesus addressed this very directly. He says in verse 16, "And and when you fast, do not look gloomy like the mask wearers, the hypocrites. They, they disfigure their faces. They put ashes on their faces. So that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they've received their reward. It's not that they're losing their salvation or anything like that. It's not about that. But that's all the reward that they get is people going, Wow, you must got a good fast going on there. That's it. You must be very holy, very pious, very spiritual. When you draw attention to your fast, that's the extent of the reward. So we're reminded that acts of righteousness and piety should be between you and God. And that's what he said in each of these three situations. In, in giving and in praying and in fasting. And, and in verse 17 he says it. But when you fast. He tells us how to do this. Anoint your head and wash your face. Make sure that's the day you wash your face. Anoint your head. Make sure that, that you, you've put on some oil, some perfume, uh, or whatever, the lotion, things like that. That your fasting may not be seen by others. No one should know your fasting except God. Wow. Your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. There is reward in fasting. But, but when it's between you and God. Now, let me say something about one of the most common practices, and I I don't mean um, to be unkind in this at all, uh, because we see it in this season. When I was growing up, I began to see some of my fellow students would show up uh, around this season of the year, and they would have a mark on their forehead. And I wondered what that was about. And I asked around a little bit, and I learned that the church I uh, attended actually had a service on Ash Wednesday, and and they would offer to put a mark on your forehead, it's a tradition on Ash Wednesday. 
And they, uh, I learned later that you, you take the palms from Palm Sunday the year before, you burn them, and you use those to make the ashes. Now, that's not in the Bible, okay? But that's the tradition. And I, I also learned, and many of you who practice this were taught, that when you put that on your, your head, you did not wash your face. You did not wash it off. So do you hear this? Marking your forehead with ashes may be meaningful, but it has no basis in Scripture. We should just understand that. And it, it's not that it's a bad thing. And so if you, if you went to a service and you had your forehead marked, that, there's no problem with that. It's not what Jesus was instructing. And it may be a meaningful thing to say, I want to I I know. I want to know that I'm marked and I'm in Christ. And so I want to do that. But it's not something that has a scriptural basis. And sometimes people ask, Pastor Jeff, why don't we have an Ash Wednesday service? Why don't we use ashes? And this is why. That's the reason. And not washing your face would seem to, to be against um, Jesus' instruction. So how do we apply this sort of thing? How do we approach fasting? What are we supposed to learn here? Jesus said, when you fast, twice. Not once, but twice. It would seem that Jesus assumes that those within kingdom culture are going to give. He says, when you give, are going to pray, when you pray, and fast, when you fast. That's the way that he says it. Now, Jesus didn't command fasting, and he didn't set a schedule, and he didn't say, now, when you fast on Fridays, or when you fast on Mondays and Thursdays, or anything like that. But he does assume that there will be times when you will fast. We'll talk a, a little bit about how you find that time. But in fact, Jesus actually defended his disciples for not fasting. It's in Matthew chapter 9. It's a little bit later in the same gospel. The disciples of John came to him saying, Why do we fast and the Pharisees fast? We're, we're kind of the holy people, but your disciples don't fast. You're not as holy. They're not as holy as we are. What, what, what is the deal with that? And here's what Jesus said. He said to them, that's such a great answer. Can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? (laughs) It's not time to mourn right now. I'm with them. I am with you. The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them and then they will fast. The time of fasting is coming, but it's not now. That's such a rich thing for us to to get a hold of. There's a time to fast. If somebody says to you, you should be fasting. That's not really, we don't push that on other people. It's between you and God. It's between me and God to to find that time and to find that, that direction. So fasting should involve an intentional focus rather than a religious repetition. You remember when we were looking at prayer, Jesus said, look, Pray like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. He he actually didn't say, pray these words over and over. He said, pray in a pattern like this. Pray, Pray with intentionality like this, in this manner, in this way. And, and similar to that, uh, he's saying to us, we, we need to set a time and a place and a purpose and a plan 
for fasting, but he will lead us in that. The Pharisees fasted on Mondays and Thursdays. Those were those their days. So if you had approached a Pharisee and said, I see that you're fasting, uh, fasting, I can kind of tell. And uh, tell me, why are you fasting? Uh, they w- the answer would be, it's Monday. We need a better reason than that. We need a better reason than it fit my religious calendar. And so I don't know why. I don't know what I'm doing exactly except, or it's Thursday, or it's Good Friday, or whatever it is. It's not to be in a religious pattern like that. And if there's no reason to fast, uh, you shouldn't worry about fasting. So why would we fast? It might be that you're fasting over a decision or a problem or a person. Those are the things that immediately came to my mind. I've never made a huge decision uh, that I recall uh, without entering into significant prayer and fasting. Because I need to know, I need to hear, I need to seek God and connect with God. And, And this is a powerful way to do that. It might be a problem, just something I can't fix this, God. I can't fix this. And I began to fast over that, uh, to, to seek God and, and deeply pray over that. Or a person, it might be a person who has a specific need that I'm aware of. It might be a, a person that is hurting and they don't even know it. And I begin to fast for them. But fasting can be a powerful tool in your walk with God. And that's why Jesus commends it to us. There's a lot of reasons. Abstaining from food sharpens our spiritual acuity and sensitivity. Everyone who, who works with this says that you, you sharpen in spiritually when you abstain from food. It's a way of uh, clearing aside the distractions uh, and helping us to focus on the Spirit of God. So here's the question. Should I consider fasting? And there are some health issues to consider. And there there may be other things that you would fast or you need to be careful about fasting. But here are some questions that I think are really helpful. Uh, Have I been spiritually dry? People come and they say, Pastor Joe, I'm just in such a dry season. I I do devotions, I read the Bible, I pray, and I I go to my group, I go to my church. It's just such a dry time though. What do I do? Fasting may be the thing that would help you. Uh, have you felt distant from God? And you, it would be a way to draw near. Uh, do I need a breakthrough in my life? Sometimes it's just, I've got an area in my life that I just need to know. I just need to break through. Um, and it might be in the decision area. Is there a need for healing or salvation in a person that I love? Uh, you know, we have uh, our, our prayer team. Uh, part of what they do, and I'm not going to make a super big deal about it, but part of what they do is they fast, I'll just say regularly, uh, for the prodigals of our church. You remember when we laid out prodigals here at the altar? And they fast and pray for the prodigals. If you want to be part of that, connect with the the prayer team uh, because it's a very, very powerful ministry that goes on. It might be for healing in a marriage or uh, a family situation. Am I facing a decision that affects other people? Uh, sometimes uh, someone will say, I'm thinking about this new, new job. It's a really good job. It's really got good money. It's really, but it, it's going to uproot my family. Well, you, that's a good time to fast and pray. Really, really good time to fast and pray. Are there things in my life that need change, but I don't know how to change them? 
Fasting can be a, a breakthrough uh, in, in your life. Is there an area of sin that I have failed to find victory in? And so that would be an area of fasting in that specific area. Now, let me just say something very, very practical, but, but it's, I believe, very scriptural. Fasting should never deprive water. I didn't know this. I, I probably should have realized it, but Muslims, uh, they fast during Ramadan from water all day. They, no food, no water. Now, a day without water is, is not going to hurt you. You're going to get dehydrated. But it occurred to me, you know, that it's important for you to have water. Everything that I read about fasting says it's a water fast, that you've, you drink actually more water during a fast. Um, and I thought, well, now is this scriptural? And it is. I learned something this week. Aren't you glad? Yeah. If, if you look in the scripture, when Jesus fasted for 40 days, at the end of that fast, it says he was hungry, not thirsty. You know what that means? If you're in the desert for 40 days and you're not thirsty, it means you brought water. Jesus either brought water or knew where the water was, and he drank probably plenty, plenty of water. And at the end of that time, he was hungry, and that's when the enemy started to tempt him and started to talk to him. But the practical side of this that some of you know is there's this thing called the rule of threes. It says you can survive three minutes without air, roughly, Three hours without shelter in freezing weather or, or um, in the elements. Three days without water is just about the limit. And three weeks without food. You can probably go a little bit longer than that. But that's the rule of threes. Uh, we remember reading a story. It was a few years back about a pastor's wife who declared for herself a fast. She was going to fast 40 days from food and water. And she said, don't disturb me. I'm going into my prayer closet. And when they went in, she was gone. She went to see Jesus, but she, she was gone. You cannot go that long. So I would just encourage you drink more water and don't drink more of other things because that doesn't help at all. Other things dehydrate you, a lot of them. And I, I would say there is such a thing as an unplanned fast. I don't know if you've ever experienced this. I have. And that's when the intensity of the season that we're in causes our appetites to shut down. I've been in times that came upon me and it was either a season of change or a season of loss or a season of grief when I couldn't eat. And often when someone can't eat, we say, well, you need to eat. You actually need water more than anything. Eventually you need to eat. But sometimes our spirit and our body make the determination and say, we're going on a fast. And I've been in times where I couldn't, I couldn't turn on a TV. I couldn't watch anything. I couldn't do anything but pray and be in the word of God. And I didn't eat hardly anything for a period of time. And it's just something that, that was put upon me. Yeah, I think it may be a little bit similar to uh, Sabbath. Uh, some of you maybe have experienced this, where if you do not take Sabbath, eventually Sabbath will take you. You'll be on a Sabbath. And that's where if you go, if you work seven days a week, seven days a week, seven days a week, seven days a week, eventually your body says, okay, it's time for Sabbath, and you're down. And so, and that has happened to me before. 
I ended up in the hospital one time when I was in college. We need, we're designed for a rhythm of rest in, in our work. So how do you plan a fast? And the first thing is to start simple. And um, Stephanie Greer, uh, who leads our prayer ministry team, uh, uses a method that she calls DCAPS. And it's this DKPS. And I want to commend it to you. Um, you'll find a little bit more if you're interested. There, I've uh, copied a guide that she developed for our prayer ministry, and it's out in the lobby for you, and I would invite you to take it. But it says you determine uh, the duration and, and start with maybe one meal a week. I mean, just start so simple. I'm going to fast uh, lunch on Friday. I'm going to fast lunch on Friday for a period of time. And then what kind? Uh, and be specific. Water only. Uh, or is it going to be juice and water or something like that? Uh, and then purpose. What is the purpose? That may be the biggest thing. Is it to uh, find victory over a nagging habit or for a prodigal child or for healing in someone uh, or finances, whatever the situation might be? And finally, guidance into scripture to ask the Lord to lead you. What scripture do you want to plant in me during this time to meditate upon? You see, the biggest question uh, here in this study is, why am I fasting? And Jesus says, number one, it's not to be seen by others. It's not to say, I, I'm in the fast. I'm in the club. I joined the fasting club uh, at my church or, or something like that. A fast can have a, a number of different goals. It could be guidance for a major decision or a, a calling that you perceive in your life. Uh, if, you know, should I go on to a, a short-term mission or something like that? And to fast and to pray over that. A specific burden that you have for a person or a group. Uh, the prodigals of the church or the Ukrainian refugees right now at this time. It might include uh, giving a secret uh, uh, gift to uh, the relief of that thing that you're praying for. Um, there's a sacrificial focus of... If we give up something, uh, abstain from something, then how can we take that and give that to the specific cause? We might uh, fast for the unborn, you know, in, in our nation and around the world. There's a powerful scripture in Isaiah 58 um, that speaks to this. It's just so wonderful. Isaiah is writing, uh, but it's, it's the inspiration of the Lord from, through this prophet. Is not this the fast that I choose? To loose the bonds of wickedness. Wow. How many of you know we need some of that in our world today? You know, we get all these things, I'm so angry about this leader or that leader. To loose the bonds of wickedness. To undo the straps of the yoke. Those things that, that bind people. To let the oppressed go free. Boy, do we need that. And to break every yoke. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry? So there's a sharing aspect of it. And to bring the homeless poor into your house to care for those. When you see the naked, to cover him. And not to hide yourself from your own flesh, from your own kind. From people and the needs of people. So how am I fasting? How do we do this? Privately? Daily, weekly, monthly, as God leads you. There's not one specific way. All food or certain food. One meal. Uh, sun up to sun down. 
uh, one day of the week. Uh, Jewish people fasted from sundown to sundown because that's how they viewed a day. What am I fasting? Fasting food tunes us in. But I think it's very powerful to think about fasting television, fasting media, feasting, uh, fasting internet, fasting social media, video gaming, or other entertainment. Somebody told me recently that they were fasting uh, and, and they named a specific news channel. I mean, you know how it is. You, you can just get addicted you know, to just watching the cycle. It doesn't matter what side you're on or which news channel. And then use that time to pray, read the word, focus on God, and then give in some way uh, for the cause and to the poor. Now, we should also understand that fasting is not a way to leverage God to do something we want. Um, That's a hunger strike. I don't think God responds to hunger strikes. God, I'm not going to eat until you heal the person I want you to heal. We don't find that in Scripture. Fasting, the purpose of fasting is to seek God, seek a deeper place with God. Now, you may have heard about a popular fast. The Daniel fast has been popular. And it's really a fascinating fast. We just studied the elements of it a few weeks ago in our winter conference. If you were here, you heard about it across that weekend. And Brian Burgess wasn't specifically commending the fast, but he was talking about the kind of commitment that it took. But it's based upon uh, Daniel and the diet uh, that he ate and uh, in defiance, really, and the three-week fast uh, that he had, which was abstaining from all meat and wine and other rich foods. And so it's, it's a way now that some churches are starting their year, 21 days of, uh, of uh, abstinence from meat, abstinence from wine and other rich foods. And it's a way of kind of tuning in to a deeper sensitivity to God. It's a good thing. I think it can be very powerful. But realize that when you say, I'm on the Daniel fast, we're doing something completely different from what Jesus was teaching. Very, very powerful. The power in it is that the Father knows. That's the power in it. So when does a fast become pharisaical, which is what Jesus was criticizing? When it's practiced in a purposeless manner, I'm fasting because it's Thursday. When it's imposed by others, by order or or coercion, why aren't your your disciples fasting? We're fasting. Our group's fasting. Why isn't your group fasting? Our church is fasting. Why isn't your church fasting? When it's primarily to be seen by others is is the third way. John Piper has a great statement in his book, Hunger for God. He says that Christian fasting at its root is the hunger of a homesickness for God. Wow. Christian fasting is not only the spontaneous effect of superior satisfaction in God, but it's also a chosen weapon against every force in the world that would take that satisfaction away. I think I had a note in your notes that I like to view a fast as a feast. It's a feast on God. I mean, we see it as a denial, but it, a self-denial, but it's, it's so self-indulgent in God. And there's such power in that. So Jesus said, when you fast, and it really begs 
the question form of that, when will you fast? Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for the challenge of Jesus' teaching from the mountainside in Galilee. And that he speaks to the place and the time in which we live. And God, as we look around our world, there are so many bondages that need to be broken. So many yokes that need to be torn aside. So many, so many people who need to find freedom. So much wickedness that needs to be torn down. God, uh, we pray that you would guide us. But guide us in those seasons where we need an answer. We need a healing we need the breakthrough. Show us the way that what you have done and what you have commended in the life of Christ can be powerful in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.